But if you wouldn't open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. begin our reading in verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law, or under the curse. For it's written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we've gathered here together this evening, come together out of the world with a heart's desire to hear a word from thee. Father, I pray that you'd be with our brother David as he comes in just a moment to to open your word to us, to preach the message that you've laid upon his heart. Father, I pray you'd be with him in a mighty and a special way. What man is sufficient for these things? Father, I pray that you'd send your spirit upon him And pray you would enable him to preach above and beyond himself because you've enabled him to preach in the power of thy spirit. Father, speak to his heart and open his mouth that he might be enabled by thy spirit to preach to our hearts. And Father, I pray you'd give each of us here tonight a hearing ear and a believing heart. Father, who's sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient to be able to hear? We can't hear your gospel without your spirit. Father, I pray you would cause faith to be mixed with everything that we hear tonight, that we might be enabled by your mercy and grace to leave here tonight rejoicing in Christ our Savior. Let his name be exalted and magnified here, for truly he is all. Christ is all. He's all we need. He's all we want. He's all of our salvation. He's all of our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Father, he's all. Cause him to to be all in our hearts that we might rest in him. Father, we thank you for this blessed opportunity that you've given us to meet together and worship you. Pray you bless it. Father, we also pray blessing on those who are in times of great difficulty, trial, they're so many right now, Father, we pray that you'd be with them. We pray that you'd be with our brother Clay and that whole family. Thankful that you've seen fit to bring our brother out of this world of sin and body of sin and bring him home to be with thee. But Father, his loved ones are still here missing him and grieving him. We pray you comfort their hearts with your presence. And Father, all these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. 
Amen. As I said before that we open the service, I've been uh, feeling this this whole week, looking forward to tonight, thinking that that had to be how Cornelius was feeling, waiting on on Peter to come. David Edmondson's a dear, dear friend. I've been looking forward to getting to spend some time with him and, and visit with him. But much more importantly, much more importantly, he is a faithful, faithful preacher of God's gospel. He's the pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Madisonville, Kentucky. And uh, David, you come and you bring the message to us. God lays on your heart. You know, when we uh, come visit, uh, we stand up here and we always say what a privilege it is. You know, it really is. It really is a privilege. It's an honor. And I still stand amazed that the Lord called me to preach His Word. It's it's so humbling. It's so... Yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's an awesome responsibility. But to be able to come and preach to friends, people that love Christ, my, there's, you know, other than the Lord's great token of grace to us, saving us in Christ, giving us one another, is a close second, I think. Yeah. And I'm, it's, I I do so appreciate being here tonight. My text tonight is 1 John chapter 4, if you would turn there with me. I love the writings of the beloved John who referred to himself as the apostle whom, or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, you know, I thought about that so many times. He didn't call himself that because he thought he was special. He called himself that because he just couldn't get over the wondrous fact that Christ loved him. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I I feel that way myself. Me? You love me? And because of Christ's love for him, we often found him leaning on the Savior's um, breast, you know, to be close to his heart. That's the way a believer is. And this is a place of quiet rest, isn't it? Near Christ, near to the heart of God. Jesus Christ is the quiet rest in God's heart. Now, I want to begin reading here in verse 10. And you're familiar with these scriptures. John spoke a lot about love. And here he says, herein is love. And immediately he says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation, the atonement, the mercy seat for our sins. And beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and His love is perfected in us. That's the proof of His love to us. And hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and whosoever confess that Jesus is the Son of God God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we know and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, 
And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And herein our love is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now this is my text. Verse 19, very short verse, says multitudes. And we love him because he first loved us. You know, have you really thought about that? Knowing, you know, knowing this truth alone, that we love God because he first loved us, it'll open up the scriptures to you. It'll give you an understanding that most people don't have. Salvation's of the Lord. Salvation is not a cooperative effort between man and God. It's of the Lord. I've said this often. It's kind of become a little catchphrase with me. Um, but salvation is of the Lord. And what follows that is a period. End of sentence. Salvation is of the Lord. We did the sinning. God did the saving. We love Him because He first loved us. Because this is the reason. That's what the word means. This is the reason we love Him. Because he first loved us. Now I want you to turn with me to Genesis 1. And we'll come back to 1 John 4 later. And I won't turn you a lot of places except they be close here. But in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Here we, we're talking about a time before time. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit created the heavens and the earth. Uh, God spoke them into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God commands, it always comes to pass because He's God. And in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man after our likeness. And then God gave that man that He created dominion over all things. Uh, God made everything that was made and He gave man dominion over this. And God provided for man everything that man needed. God gave man dominion. That word means authority. Over the fish of the sea. Over the fowls of the air. Over the cattle. Over every creeping thing upon the earth. It all belonged to God. Mankind doesn't let God do anything. How can you read the Scriptures and say, let God, uh, let Jesus have your heart. Well, first and foremost, God don't want that naturally wicked heart. No, He's going to have to give us a new heart that beats and pants after Christ. He's the one that gives new hearts. Uh, look, uh, look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Who did that? God did. And God did what? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God made man in his own image and likeness. That means God made man a spirit. For God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then in verse 18 of Genesis 2, it says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate. I'll make a helpmate for him. 
Adam took a rib out of Adam's side. He didn't, and he made the woman. He didn't take uh, something from Adam's head so that she could rule over him, and he didn't take anything from Adam's foot where he would trample on her. He took a rib from his side close to his heart. And she says, help me. Uh, she's as equal. She's a soulmate. And God was pleased. And God said, very good. You know, when God says very good, it's very good, isn't it? It sure is. God put man and woman together in the Garden of Eden. God built the most beautiful garden that's ever been seen. Can you imagine the Garden of Eden, God's garden? My dad used to put out a big garden. And boy, it was it was pretty. I mean, I didn't know much about garden, but I'd say, that's a pretty garden, Daddy. You know, and he would uh, have those rows so straight and he would just keep them... Um, you know, cultivated, and it was just a beautiful thing to see. But can you imagine God's garden, the Garden of Eden? And God took the man and the woman, and He put them in that garden. Uh, Adam didn't let God in his heart. God was already in the garden, and He put Adam in the garden, <laughs> and He puts Christ in our heart, doesn't He? My my, man is there because of divine election. Man is there by God's free choosing. God put man in the garden. God made man out of the dust of ground. He breathed life into him. And then He put him in the garden and He provided everything that he needed. Adam's not uh, working the ground by the sweat of his brow here. No, he's just going out and picking the fruit off a tree. And, and, and the fruit just kept coming. Uh, it provided everything. Everything that, that man needed, God provided. We love Him because He first loved us. Look at verse 9. It says, Out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I think about the passage of every good and perfect gift cometh from above. From the God the Father who's no uh, variableness, no shadow of turning. He's, it, God's still blessing. God's still saving sinners today. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, But there was one tree, and you know about this tree. It's called the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, it, it brought about the knowledge of good and evil, and that knowledge is divinely given. It, it has to be. You won't see it any other way. God's got to divinely intervene in our lives and, and give us light and give us light. And it's just amazing that he's, a, that he's pleased to do that. But it's only in Christ. Divinely given. It, uh, it belongs to one person, God the Son, who, and to whosoever He's pleased to give it. He can give it to who He pleases. Lord, reveal Your Son to me and in me. What a marvelous, marvelous thing. Uh, he's my only hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Uh, someone asked me not long ago, said, what are you preaching this week? Jesus Christ. Same thing I preach every week, just from a different text. Same thing you preach every week. You, when you preach, is Christ. That's all that's going to help us. That's all that's going to save us. What He's done for us. Not what we do for God. What God has done for us. Now this tree of, of knowledge and good and evil, this is God's tree. And listen, he said, Adam, you can't partake of that tree. That tree is reserved for another. Uh, that tree's been reserved for God the Son. 
And this is the only tree that will satisfy God's justice. It's a tree of life. And this honor is reserved for Christ alone. And He's not going to share His glory with another. He's not going to give it to another. He is the tree of life. Christ is. And in Christ we see good, perfection only in Him. And at the same time, we see the evil within us. The knowledge of good and evil. It's seen in Christ, the tree of life. And we love Him because He first loved us. God created man in His own image and likeness. We just saw that. And God gave man everything he needed to live in paradise. Now let me ask you thus far, what does Adam have the glory in? God's done everything for him. God gave Adam a free will to voluntarily worship the God who loved him and gave everything for him. But Adam, I hate to say this ladies, but he loved his wife more. And there's some worse things you could say about a fellow than that. You know, about loving his wife. But we can't put anything before God because it all comes from Him. Everything. Everything we have. Everything we are. It's God that gives it. And then God gave Adam one commandment to keep. Just one. Just one. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, I'm good on about eight of the ten now. Well, I have never kept one. I'm not proud of that, but I've never kept one commandment. Because the law of God says that you've got to keep it perfectly. And if you're guilty of one, you're, you're guilty of the whole law. And you've got, you've got to keep it perfectly. God requires perfection. Nothing but perfection. It's got to be perfect to be accepted. Oh my. Adam offended God. Every one of us have offended God. Our sins against God and God only. That's what David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And God is justified. He's right when He speaks against us. And God is clear when He judges us guilty because guilty is what we are. And God told Adam, you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And he disobeyed God and he died. He lived over 900 years. But he died spiritually. The very second that he disobeyed God. God's holy justice demanded it. Look uh, at Genesis 3 verse 7. It says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Oh, do you see a picture of yourself there? My, my, created in the image and likeness of God. They had communion with God and fellowship. They walked with God in the cool of the day. That's fellowship. That's communion with God. Walking with God in the cool of the day. And there was no need of a covering. For Adam and Eve. 
No, no sin. No, no need for recovery. Sin caused them to see their nakedness. And what did they do? Well, we all do. They tried to cover their own nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together by the works of their own hands and God won't accept it. He won't accept it. He provided the skins. Uh, I believe it had to be a lamb to cover them. I, it just had to be because it's a spotless, a spotless lamb. A perfect lamb is all that God will accept. And you can't provide with your hands by your doing the perfection that God requires. And if God shows you this, you see your helplessness. And that's when you see your need. And you'll never need Christ if you don't have a need for your sin, to your sin to be put away. Can't provide with our hands what God requires. That's why God's people love Christ. Because He first loved them. I just keep thinking about that. He loved me. That's why I love Him. So man's thrown out of the garden. You know this story. Uh, no longer resides in God's paradise. Man no longer has fellowship with God. Man's now dead in trespasses and sin. But there's mention of a woman's seed. In the midst of all this trouble, there's mention of a, 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 a seed that's going to come and put away the sin of, of God's people. And my, we know who that seed is. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he's, he's going to crush the serpent's head. He's going to put sin away. And He's the only one that can. He's the only one that can. And in the providence of time, along come Cain and Abel. <laughs> and Eve said, I've got that seed. i got that seed. I've got a man from the Lord. But Cain wasn't that man. And Abel wasn't that man. Though he pictures God's murdered son in many ways, Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice in the Lord. Do you remember that? And uh, Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a shepherd of the sheep. And Cain brought the best work of his hand. Now you're talking about a gardener. I bet Cain was a good one. And he brought this fruit. I bet it was beautiful fruit. Whatever it was, it doesn't matter. Beautiful. God said, won't accept it. Won't accept it. No shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. He rejected Cain's sacrifice. He will not accept the work of our hands. God only accepts the blood of a lamb. This has been going on since the beginning. This was God's ordained purpose before the world ever began. God accepted Abel's sacrifice, rejected Cain's. And I tell you, you tell a man that he can't do anything to be saved, and he'll get mad. And that's what Cain did. He got mad. He got angry with God. And God, Cain was angry with God because God will never accept the best that we can bring. It has to be perfect, as I said, to be accepted. I know one who can provide it. I sure do. I sure do. Christ is the tree of life. Christ is the skins of covering. Christ is Abel's sacrifice. Christ is our manna from heaven. Christ is the rock which we draw living waters from. Christ is the Passover lamb. Christ is the sacrifice. Christ is the only high priest. 
Christ is the mercy seat. It's Christ's blood poured upon the altar. It's all about Christ. He's our city of refuge. If we can get in Him, we're safe. He's our shelter in the time of storm. You know, back home, I was recently told by a friend of mine that he knows a contractor that's gotten all tied up in his work because he's building this guy a enormous storm shelter. It said it's going to have a kitchen and a, and a bedroom and everything in it. Can you imagine? Well, I'm, I hate to tell that man. I'm sure he's spending a lot of money, but there is no man-made shelter. No man-made shelter that can shelter a man from the storm of God's wrath and justice and judgment. There's only one ark of refuge. There's only one shelter in the time of storm. You know who it is. And you know Him. All those in the ark of God, all those in Christ, they're safe. I remember, you know, Noah's Ark and the animals, you know, that's what we talked about as kids. Oh, I see that so different now. That's Christ. I got to get in Him. Come into the Ark. There's no safety outside of the Ark. Uh, Rahab, stay in the house. Rahab, you better stay in the house. That house where that scarlet cord hangs from the window, picturing the scarlet blood of Christ. That drawing cord God dropped down from heaven to draw men unto Himself. Isn't that amazing? This book's about Him. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we love Him because He first loved us. That's the only reason we love Him. Because He first loved us. Christ is that brazen serpent Moses held high. Look and live. Look and live. There's life in a look at the Savior. The poison is permeating these the bloodstreams of those bitten. They're dying. They can't move. They can't walk. They can't get up and come to the front of the church. They're dead in trespasses and sin. They're dying. What can you do? You can look. You can look to the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Oh my, all through the Scriptures it's the same. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the Lord God of salvation. Now I want to ask you three questions in closing. I didn't intend to keep you long tonight. I know you have to work, but I want this to be a blessing to you. I pray, uh, Lord, make this effectual to our hearts. I want the Lord to make this effectual in my heart. I, I need Christ now. I need Christ tomorrow. I need Christ the next day. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me again how Christ died for wretched worms like me. That's what gives me hope, Jonathan. That's why I keep coming back. That's why I keep listening to the Gospel. That's my only hope. Christ in you. That's our only hope. First question, when did Christ love us? Well, He's always loved the sheep. I can't explain that. He's always loved the sheep. The beginning before the beginning, He loved His sheep from the foundation of the world. He loved His sheep. Before any sinner had done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of Him, they call. That's what, that's where salvation is, but of Him, but God, but God. My, what did Jacob do to be saved? Huh? He deserved to be hated just as Esau was. If I have another person, and I don't mean to be ugly, but if I have another person tell me, well, that's not fair. Well, I tell you what's not fair. Not sending all of us to hell. That's what's not fair. Anything apart from that's mercy, isn't it? 
Jacob didn't do anything to be saved. It's not of the works of man's hands. Our works are filthy rags. Uh, Our righteousness is nothing but lepers, napkins, and minstrel falls. Let's call it like it is. That's what, what our righteousness is. We're dead in trespasses and sin. A dead man's biggest obstacle in coming to Christ is taking the first step. If he can take that first step, he can come all the way. But a dead man can't take the first step. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. He was dead. uh, Then the call came. And then came the life. Not, not, uh, Christ didn't say, Lazarus, if you come forth, I'll give you life. That's not what he said. But that's what men are preaching today. You come to God and God will save you. No, it's just backwards. God saves you, then you come to Him. Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth. He couldn't come forth when he was dead. It's no different for us. Dead in trespasses and sin. Life came before the coming. The coming was the result of the life giving. And with the command comes the life to come. God commands us to do something, then He gives us the power and ability to do it. My, my. It's all of God, isn't it? All of it. Oh, we love Him because He first loved us. We do, we do love Him. It's because He first loved us. It's God who quickens. It's God that makes alive. Never seen a dead man give himself life. Uh, only God can give life. And Christ is alive. No man comes to the Father but by Him. He died the just for the unjust that He might what? Bring us to God. If we're going to be brought to God, it's going to be Christ that brings us. He's a just God and a Savior. And that's why we love Him. Because He first loved us. His love I don't deserve. I know every believer feels that way. I can see how God might love you, but I just don't see how He could love me. It's undeserved. It was mercy and grace. But we do love Him. Why did Christ love me first? Second thing. He, did He look ahead in time and, and see that I would and could do something that would be appeasing to Him? No. No. Before we done any good or evil, God made this choice. God made this uh, decision. He loved me freely without a cause. Nothing within, nothing about me that would cause him to love me. That's what, uh, that's what the word freely means, without a cause. Men hated him freely without a cause. He loves us freely without a cause. Oh man. Not one thing in my hand can I bring. Not one thing. And uh, God gave me to His Son, and God loves me and His Son, and I love Him because He first loved me. Uh, me, <laughs> wounds, and bruises, and putrefying sores. They hadn't been bound up. They hadn't been doctored. Uh, haven't been given any healing ointment. Uh, just open, oozing, putrefying, unmollified. That's how God sees us. You know, if I ask you here tonight now I've asked myself this question if you thought of the most obnoxious and repulsive thing 
that you could absolutely imagine or think of, chances are you yourself wouldn't come to mind. But that's that's the word. My heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Deceitful above everything. There's nothing more deceitful. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God can. God knows it and God says it has to go. I'm going to have to give you a new heart. I'm going to have to make you a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I do, old things will be passed away and behold, all things will become new and you're going to love me because I first loved you. Oh, I'm sick. I have spiritual leprosy. But good news, those that are sick have need of a physician. When was the last time you went to the doctor just to say hello and you know give them $60, $75 and say, hey, I just want to see how you're doing. No, we go to the doctor when we're sick, when we need help. And uh, those that are sick have need of a physician. But those that are well don't. Uh, they, we go when we're sick. Uh, those that are righteous in their own eyes, those that are trusting in their own will, the, the ones who say, oh, me and the Lord, we got a good thing going. They're, they're, they're resting in their work. They're, they're resting in the work of their own hands. And they don't need Christ. But we, His sheep, oh, we need to shepherd. I'm prone to wonder. I'm prone to leave the God I love. I'm a dumb sheep. Oh, I go where I shouldn't go. I, every, you know, just a dumb sheep. But I got a shepherd. Oh, let me tell you about my shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He, he leaves the 99 and go gets the one and lost and puts them on his shoulder and brings them all the way back. What'd that sheep have to do with that? God carried them all the way back to the fold. Christ said, I've got other sheep, not of this fold. Them I must bring. He's going to bring them. Every single one. Not always who we think. Most of the time it's somebody we don't think. But the Lord is His sheep. He's sheep. Who did Christ come to save? Third question. One of my favorite verses in all the Scriptures. This is a faithful saying. Oh, that gets your attention, doesn't it? It's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptation. We all ought to accept and bow to this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God came into the world to save sinners. Our sin is so horrific that it took God Himself to put it away. Oh my. Who came to save us? Christ came to save us. That impotent man, he lay at the pool of Bethesda and the Scripture said he had no man to put him in the water. Listen, we don't have any man that can put us in that stirring water of the angels stirred. No, no. We, we don't have that. There's no man that can help us. Not one. Like the man with the withered hand. His hand is withered. He can't work. He can't do anything to commend him to God. And not until God straightens out his hand, straightens out his heart, gives him a new one. No, no. Like the man full of leprosy. We know the Lord can. The question is, will you? Lord, will you? If you will, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. I know you can. You can do anything. You can do absolutely everything. Will you? Will you? And he's never turned one down yet. Not one. Can't find it in the Scripture. Can you? Someone came in needing help, in need, and God said, no, you won't find it. My, my, I was a blind beggar like Bartimaeus. And out of need, I cried all the more. 
Oh, they told me to shut up. Just shut up. I cried all the more. Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. I'm the one that needs it. I'm the one that needs it. I had an issue of blood. Mine different than the woman's, yes, but I spent all I had trying to make it better. No earthly doctor could do me any good. But God showed me if I could just touch the hem of His garment, I could be made whole. And God enabled me. He gave me life and I crawled. The hem of the garment, I'll always, you know, Mama needs you to hem these pants. You can't... The feet of Christ is the highest place there is. You know, come to His, to his feet. Bow Him, beg Him for mercy. You'll get it every time. You'll get it every time. We, by God's grace, have seen tonight that it's God who has done everything for us. I mean everything. And we just, we ain't even scratched the surface. You hear this all the time. These faith, faithful pastor and these men that preach for you. And um, what a great token of God's grace that we're just voices crying in the wilderness. Lord, save your people. This is the condemnation. Lights come into the world. Men love darkness. And it says they love darkness rather than light. That, you know, rather than. And it's because their deeds are evil, our Lord said. We're all evil by nature. So, have you come to Christ? Have I come to Christ? I ask myself that question often. Have I come to Christ? Am I trusting in Him? Am I really bowing? Am I... That's the only place rest can be found. The Lord worked six days creating the heaven and the earth. And on the seventh day, He rested. He didn't rest because He's tired. He rested because His work was finished. When can you rest? When your work's finished. Well, rest. Because it's finished. It really is. Oh, may God enable us <clears throat> to see that. Christ has the words to, to, uh, to eternal life. Where else would we go, Lord? You have the words to eternal life. No place else for us to go. Christ is the word of eternal life. Well, <clears throat> back to our text and I'll finish up. John chapter 4, verse 17 again. <clears throat> Herein, <clears throat> excuse me, is our love made perfect, complete, entire, mature, that's what that word means. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Now that is the most amazing. That's, I've never heard any better news than that. <clears throat> you try to wrap your head around that and you just can't. You see, God's ways are past finding out, aren't they? We don't need a God we can understand. We just need God. Um, Lord Jesus, though Satan in this world desired to sift me as wheat, boy, I get sifted sometimes. But my prayer is, Lord, don't, 
I pray that my faith fail me not. My only hope is that Christ has prayed for me that my faith fail me not. Our love is made perfect in Jesus Christ. That's why we can have boldness in the day of judgment. I can stand before God in the day of judgment. The wretch that I am by nature. And when God looks at me, He sees me just as He sees His Son. So is He, as He is, so are we. And we are even right now in this world. Um, uh, Christ gave us back everything we lost in mold. See, we, in Adam, we lost the way and the truth and the life. And Christ is the way and the truth and the life. Our warfare is accomplished. The work is finished. We can sit down and rest. Just rest. Oh, good Lord, help me to rest. We love Him because He first loved us. I pray that God might be pleased to, to uh, make it so for His glory for our good and for Christ's sake. And that's that's what God does. It's for His glory. It's for His people's good. And it's for the sake of our Lord and Savior. Well, I appreciate your attention. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to being with you again tomorrow. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate it. <laughs>